Hey, good morning, Akron Alliance. Good morning to you. Welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School. I'm Melvin Gaines. Uh, today is Sunday, June the 13th. We're going to go ahead and get started with the music selection for this morning while we allow people to jump on with us. Uh, the musical selection is, I had it written down and I almost forgot to do it. Oh, Any Day Now. <laughs> any Day Now. <laughs> uh, it's a live recording. Ricky Dillard. And there's also an excerpt in here featuring B.B. Winans. So we'll go ahead and play that for you right now while we allow people to jump on with us. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Arlen. How are you? Jasper, good morning. Praise the Lord. Hope you're hanging in there, my man. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, Angie, good morning. Glad to see you all. I understand it's been raining down in Akron. Good, Arlen. Be well, be well. I have to check out connectivity issues this morning because I know there was rain down in the Akron area. So be patient. We'll be here for you. Good morning, Ann and Larry. Hey, sun is out. Praise the Lord. We have sun here too. Starkses are here in the house. Good morning, Charles and Joanna. Morning, morning, birthday boy. Well, last week anyway. Roger Wells' birthday was yesterday. That's right. Very good. Stay cool and comfortable with it today, everybody. Still going to be humid. I heard there is a grass pollen alert, too. Those of us allergic to grass and trees. Me. Angel. And that's BB Winans there saying. God gives us miracles every day. Sometimes we don't even realize it. But it's realizing that's really the most important thing. If you're looking for deliverance, if you're looking for healing, if you're looking for peace, God can provide that. because we've got a lot of a really good Sunday school lesson this week and next week both. It's about expectations. It's about being obedient to the Lord. 
those miracles that we experience have to do with being obedient to the Lord. Beverly, good morning. Amen, amen. Amen. Hey, Cindy. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Amen. All right, that's a good place to pause it uh, and that, but uh, any day now, uh, Ricky Dillard and B.B. Winans helping out with the uh, lyrics as well, too. Uh, we just thank you for being here this morning. We've got uh, a really, really good study, and I've been gone over the study several times, and it, it just is very rich in material. So I, I ask your patience while we go through this together. And it's a, it's a book that we don't really pay attention to a whole lot, but we should because it, it actually has extreme merit uh, as we look at it. But um, let me take care of some uh, housekeeping issues here first before we get into the lesson. Um, because I'm going to be uh, speaking today, so that means I'm going to have to hurry down to church. <laughs> so we can't go too long today uh, here with Sunday School. First of all, there will be a, a message online for those of you who are not able to come to church today. Church will be open and will be indoors today. And the message today is the Believer's Code of Conduct. That's the title of the message. Uh, it will be available online after Sunday School if you stay on this timeline on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, you will see that message and it is available for you. We ask that you please make a note of uh, any comments you have or questions or likes as you look at those because we wanna make sure that the, the, the messages that we provide online get the same uh, attention as the uh, Sunday school class, frankly. That, that's, that's what we wanna make sure of. But for those of you who are coming to church today, we, we welcome you in as well too. Uh, dress comfortably. We we will be inside. Um, uh, I did not get a chance uh, uh, to ask about temperature checks. I mean, we, that was something that we were still just debating whether we were still doing that or not. Um, I so as of right now, they are still on, and, and I did talk to Gus. I just forgot to mention it. But we'll see where we are with that in the future. Um, masks are optional. You can wear them based upon your level of comfort uh, in church. Please remember your tithes and offerings as well, too. We want to, I want to make sure I mention that every week because we want to always continue to remember to uh, give our tithes and offerings to the church. If you're not able to come to church today and put them in the drop box inside the lobby, then you need to mail them. And the mailing address is Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. That takes care of the business of the tithes and offerings. Please remember those. and and give those according to how you're able to give. Uh, we appreciate very much your uh, helping in that area. And we will go ahead and move forward now with the subject matter at hand with the book today. It is um, it's a, a one-chapter book. It's Philemon. Philemon is the book that we're going to be looking at. And, of course, I had to make sure as I was going over the study for this book uh, that I was pronouncing the name Philemon correctly because it, it's very easy to come up with your own uh, way of pronouncing things. The best way I can think of to remember is, that, is take the word Philly and just take the emphasis on the Lee part, Philemon. So uh, that's, that's how that works. Uh, and there's another uh, individual who's going to be mentioned here within the, the passage Onesimus. Now, I've heard two different pronunciations of Onesimus. One of them is Onesimus. One of them is Onesimus. And I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not feeling the Onesimus part. I, the Onesimus is probably going to be the one we're going to use uh, because that's going to be the one that actually flows better and sounds better. 
<clears throat> so uh, we'll keep that in mind. But uh, if I mess up in the middle of all of this, just uh, uh, try to c- show some grace <laughs> as I do that. But we will um, do this study. But this study is a great study. It, it is a great study, um, and it, it really comes back to uh, discussions about the culture at the time. And we're still talking about people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet there are still people who are slaves in their midst. And that's something that's going to be a real interesting challenge for all of us. And it, it, it does kind of lend to uh, conversations about, you know, how come people didn't seem to get it right when, you know, after the Civil War and um, the Southern Baptists, some of the originals just didn't seem to get it right when it came to the proper way to treat people or the proper way to look at something like this. But frankly, we get those challenges out there because we're all human beings. We're all people. We all have fleshly desires. We all have do things that from a fleshly basis. And that goes for everybody. So it's, all of us are included in this, in this uh, way of looking at things. But let's do this. Let's, uh, we're going to be covering... Uh, Philemon verses uh, chapter 1 verses 1 through 12 there's only one chapter but it's verses 1 through 12 today and we'll be covering the rest of Philemon next week because we don't want to rush over this we want to go over the the historical content we want to go over what is relevant here as far as why these people are being mentioned why Paul is getting involved here and writing a letter to Philemon about this and as it turns out the letter to Philemon is very specifically about Uh, Onesimus and how to deal with him and how to treat him and we'll get into that in greater detail as we go forward but it's a great picture and it has to do with law and grace and that's something that we want to see here so with that in mind let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we will get started Father we just thank you for your very presence this morning we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the teaching ability of the Spirit. We thank you for greater understanding that comes from just looking at your word and sitting quietly and allowing that word to sink in. And Lord, we often need to learn lessons about life. There are sometimes the things that happen in life that just aren't fair and we don't understand why, but yet in the midst of all of that, you still provide grace, which is really, really important for all of us to recognize and understand. Rather than dwelling on the negative, we should be focusing on you and what is positive in those situations. Help us, Lord, through this as we look at passages like Philemon and have a greater understanding of the people involved and what was happening here. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Philemon chapter 1. As you remember, we just finished up Titus uh, last week, and now we're just uh, the next book over in Philemon uh, 1, verses 1 through 12 is what we're going to be covering today. Now, I encourage you uh, on your own time to read the whole thing through. You can read through verses 1 through 25. We're going to go back and do the rest of Philemon next week, verses 13 through 25. But today, verses 1 through 12 is what we'll be covering. And the text, um, it's kind of divided up in such a way where we're getting into this appeal uh, that Paul uh, mentions for Onesimus. But we also want to recognize that Paul is smart enough to know that if you're going to make an appeal to someone, that you want to also uh, mention things that are going to be very Important as far as the attributes of the individual he's writing to, um, and Philemon is not a is a is a very important person. We want to uh, stress that, and I'll go over that as we get further into the study. So let's start with verse one. We're reading from the New Living Translation. This is verse one through twelve, starting at verse one. Philemon, verse one. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon. Our beloved co-worker, pay attention to that, and to our sister Aphia, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. Note that as well, too. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Verse 4, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love 
for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Verse 8, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ, but because it is the right thing for you to do, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of, use to, of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. Okay, so that's verses 1 through 12 of Philemon, and we will again, as a reminder, you'll just have to come back next time and as we go through the rest of this passage, but we'll cover a good uh, meaty part of it this morning. Um, just to give some historical context, and I gave you some key phrases and words in the middle of this to, to kind of give you an idea of who Philemon was. So Paul wrote this letter, just to, for context, in Rome about 60 AD, according to what we uh, can tell, when he was under house arrest. And, and we know that he was under house arrest. Paul was all over the place, obviously, when it came to his incarceration. It was either house arrest or being in jail altogether, and this was a period of time when he was in house arrest. Um, that's in Acts 28, verses 30 through 31. But Onesimus was a domestic slave who belonged to Philemon. And Philemon was a wealthy man in the, as a member of the church of Coloss. Now, he was in the Colossians church, but notice what we read earlier. His house was so big, he had church in his house. That's what was mentioned back in verse 2 of this passage. So he was dedicated to the church of Coloss, and he had church in his own house. And we also want to point out as well, too, that Aphia, the sister that's referred to, was, was most likely uh, Philemon's wife, um, believer as well as well as Philemon, believer in Christ. These are two believers in Christ. And so these are people that we should recognize as well, too, for what they are and their role in the church. And, of course, that's what Paul was recognizing here in the beginning of the passage. So now just for a little bit of background with Onesimus, he had run away from Philemon um, and made his way to Rome where he met Paul. And... It's, it stands to reason that Onesimus knew about Paul when Paul visited Philemon at his house, his church home. And so there was an initial communication there, at least as far as recognition is concerned. But Onesimus, um, depending upon where you look, someone said that he had robbed Philemon. He had just stolen from him and just ran away. And listen, we're, we're referring to what's happening here. Uh, he was a slave. He was not. Uh, he was not there on his own accord, uh, and this was a period of time when he didn't want to be a slave anymore. So he ran away, and that's not hard to understand. But the culture back then, obviously, was that uh, given how they were, were handling slavery, uh, if you were a runaway, you were a fugitive, and and the best example of that is if you look at the movie The Fugitive, where someone is running away because they don't want to be caught being falsely accused of something, uh, like that movie. Um, and that's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. So let's get back further to what's happening here, where Paul apparently uh, saw Onesimus in prison and apparently led him to Christ. That's the, what's going to be happening in verse 10, because that's where it says, I, be, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. So he led him to Christ at that point. So we conclude that Onesimus did not know the Lord when he ran away. Uh, he, he had issues, obviously, 
but now Paul had brought him and gave him, uh, led him to salvation, uh, except Christ as Savior. So Paul, after all of that had taken place, had convinced Onesimus that running from his problems wouldn't solve them. Isn't that true? I mean, that that's true about all of us, isn't it? When you run from your problems, you're not going to solve anything. You just keep running. There's nothing really, there's no end result of that. And so he persuaded Onesimus to return to his master, return back to Philemon. Now, Paul wrote the letter to Philemon to ask him to be reconciled to his runaway slave. So that's the overview of what this whole letter is about. And I hope that it uh, helps to give you greater understanding as to what we're talking about here. So Philemon was a Greek landowner. He owned land and he was living in Colossus. And he was converted to Christ himself under Paul's ministry. And so the Colossian church met in his home. And Onesimus was one of Philemon's slaves, like we said before. And Aphia, back in verse 2, the sister that Paul is referring to, was Philemon's wife. And Archippus, who was also mentioned there, was also a son of Philemon. And probably was even, according to what's being written here, an elder in the church. So we have a household of believers within the this conversation here we're talking about people who all have a relationship with jesus christ are they perfect people of course not none of us are but yet they have this relationship with christ and isn't it christ who is the one who makes us who reconciles us with him um frankly through the lord through the lord because of our belief in him and believing in him but we're still imperfect people all throughout that process so that's what we need to understand here too we're all imperfect people. It's very easy to point fingers at people who, you know, for example, a person who owns uh, slaves or does stuff like that. It's very easy to point fingers about stuff like that. But the bottom line is, is that you have to look at the culture. You have to look at where we are right now. We recognize that there was never any permission or acceptance or approval of slavery in the Bible. It was neither approved nor disapproved. And the reason, frankly, why that was the case is that there was still work that needed to be done with the people. There are a lot of people who still had those types of relationships. We're talking about a totally different time uh, in what they were living in versus where we are today. And we need to recognize that, frankly, um, when it comes down to the abolitionists in this country, uh, the time was right then for people to pursue the issue of uh, getting rid of slavery because the God had ordained that time for that to take place. But well, the time for it was not during this time when it's being written here. And it, it just comes down to people allowing the Lord to speak to them, to deal with them personally. But let's even go further than this. Even though there are master-slave relationships, and this was a great conversation that I had with Gus when we had this conversation earlier about uh, slaves and how the people were to be treated properly within the um, um, First Timothy, Second Timothy, those types of, that, the types of passages there. The, the master-slave relationship was supposed to be a cordial relationship. It was supposed to be a relationship of cooperation. Both the master and the slave were supposed to behave in such a way where they were honoring Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was going to be the one who prevailed in these relationships. So even though there is a, a servant relationship that is taking place, Christ is still going to be the one that shows the importance of reconciliation, working well with each other, not being harsh with anyone. These are all things that are being taught uh, by Christ, being taught within Scripture itself. And that's something that we recognize today. We, they didn't have the benefit of all of that. We do. We understand what that really means as we look at it in greater detail. So, let's go back to the passage. Let's go back to verse 4. Because I want to, uh, we picked up on the introduction and we understand exactly what uh, Paul was doing when he was writing the letter. He was making sure he was giving credit and asking that the Lord gives him, gives Philemon and all the people in his household grace and peace. Because they recognized, because of their relationship with Jesus Christ, what grace and peace truly was. That's something that only Christ can do, but you can extend it to other people 
with your behavior, by treating people the right way, by having conversations the right way with individuals and not mistreating them. So back to verse 4. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Now, that's a sincere comment. You know, you might think that Paul is trying to butter up Philemon uh, and say something to try to, uh, to flatter him, but that's not the motivation here. And I think we need to resist going in that direction because we understand that Paul was being very sincere about how he felt about Philemon. He, he really liked Philemon a lot. He led him to Christ. He has a relationship with him that goes far beyond what uh, many other people probably had with Philemon, but he recognized and entrusted Philemon to have a church in his own home, and the church of Colossus met there. So it wasn't about buttering him up. It was about being sincere. He was saying that Philemon has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and loves all people, all of God's people. And now that's going to be the key here, all of God's people, because whether you're on a different status or not, or on a different uh, social economic status, we all are challenged to love all people, aren't we? We don't just love people who are our immediate peers. We don't just love people because they make more money than we do and we want to be buttered up by them or anything like that. We love people because we genuinely do love them and we care about them and we want to make sure that we're treating everyone equally and fairly. That is what is being emphasized here. And Philemon was doing that. So verse 6, And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. So there's an appeal being made here. And then verse 7, Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Now, why is Paul saying that? Because word got back to him that Philemon was doing really, really great stuff. He was involved with the church. He was leading people and having them feel really good about where they are and making sure that their faith matters were matters of the heart, not just lip service. He was actually doing work in the church. And so Paul is recognizing that, and we should recognize that as well, too. Philemon was not a bad guy. He was a good guy. He was a very good guy. He was a great uh, leader and influence within the Coloss church. But the reality is, is that back then, a lot of people in his position, he was a landowner, he was wealthy, so he had servants working for him, doing different things within the fields or whatever it was uh, where he had owned land. And so that's the reality of it. These are the things that we recognize. We have to be pragmatic sometimes about what the people that we're referring to. It doesn't mean that every person who owns uh, has slaves is an evil evil person on the contrary there are all different types of people involved here and we have to recognize that if paul is recognizing philemon's work in the church it certainly does matter it is very important because it means that his attitude is a very good one and that means he's bringing people to christ in such a way where their attitudes are good as well too so back again Look at verse 4 again. I always thank God, my God, when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. So Philemon was a guy that, based upon this, Paul was saying was refreshing. He was a refreshing person. He was able to revive and restore brothers and sisters in the faith. When they were struggling, Philemon had the gift of words and the ability to encourage people and get them back on track. Now, that's a gift from God. That's Not everybody has that special ability. The Spirit has to impart wisdom to people to be able to do something like that. And if that's what God is doing in Philemon's life, where he is able to lead people and refresh them and restore them back to a place where they need to be, that's a gift from God. And he, was, he had generosity. He reflected love. He stimulated them. He replenished them. He helped them along so they could be better believers in Jesus Christ themselves. So how could you do something like that? Well, first of all, you had to have a pretty good attitude, had to have a pretty good temperament. He, he had to have a temperament that basically recognized uh, some degree of fairness, some degree of understanding 
uh, God's grace in the midst of all of this. And so he was the one who was doing this very thing in the church. So, you know, we've got people who who will drain you. I mean, it, it, with with just a, a negative attitude, uh, you don't want to be around them because you, if you feel like you're around them, then you feel like you're just getting energy sapped out of your life. And that was not Philemon. He was exactly the opposite of that. So we recognize, we know what the difference is between when someone encourages us and when someone, uh, frankly, drags us down. So we need to understand that Philemon had a helpful attitude. He was an encourager. He loved people. And so that is where this appeal now is going to come into play. Um, If you go down, Paul's prayer for Philemon was setting the stage for the request he was going to make about Onesimus. And he wants Philemon to see, because he is active in his faith, he can now also understand the purposes of reconciliation, reconciling and and taking care of differences in the past. No matter how good we are, guess what? All of us have to be involved in many ways with reconciliation, reconciliation of life circumstances, reconciliation of people who may have wronged us, reconciliation, at least within your own heart and mind, that it's time to forgive and move on. It's time to go forward because by not doing those things, by not uh, feeling filled by the Spirit and understanding that God is asking us to do those very things, we're only hurting ourselves. We're only depriving ourselves of God's goodness. So that's what we need to recognize here is that Uh, Paul is making the appeal to Philemon and setting up the stage for that request, as I had mentioned before. And, you know, Philemon still shares his faith, still shares how much he loves him. But now Paul is asking to take one more step uh, a little bit further now in dealing with someone who was very close to him, who had run away from him. So look at verse 8. Back to Philemon, uh, verse 8. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it, now check this out, I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. Now, he's saying that because it is true. He could demand it. As a leader of a church, as a person in uh, authority, which is who he is, he could demand that Philemon do the right thing and set the tone properly by making sure that he welcomed Onesimus back Uh, into his care but the fact is is that he's stating truth here and we need to see that because first of all it's not just about people who are in authority but people just doing the right thing christ wants us to always do what's right always wants us to go that mile where we're doing what's right to do what to honor him it's not about necessarily how we feel about things it's about honoring him Sometimes you have to do things uh, that you don't agree with, but you know that it honors Jesus Christ. How easy is that for you to do? Uh, I don't think it's very easy. I don't think it's an easy thing to do at all, but if you recognize it's the right thing to do, you just do it, and you do it because you're honoring him. So let's continue this. Because of our love, verse 9, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Paul and Philemon have a relationship. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, because he was an elder, because he was an apostle, he could have used his authority and told him to do what's right, and that's the end of it. But he appealed to Philemon's sense of greater understanding here because he knows Philemon knows what the truth is. He knows that Philemon knows what the right thing to do is. And he knows that the right thing is to reconcile. The right thing to do is to reconcile with Philemon. He wants him to deal kindly uh, with Onesimus. and But he did so. He wanted uh, Philemon to do so with a heartfelt sincerity not because he had to do it not because like oh okay i'll do it you know not that type of an attitude he's doing it he's appealing to philemon to do what's right 
and treat Onesimus with grace. You know, there are times when we have to forgive someone in our lives uh, for things they've done in the past and extend grace to them and not hold it over their heads forever because that's the right thing to do. The flesh wants to always go the road of saying, you know, I knew you were a no good so-and-so. Uh, and that's just not right. That's not, that's not anything that Christ would condone or have you to do. That's a sinful response. Even though someone may have done something to you that was unfair, uh, that's a sinful response to respond in that manner. So Philemon had the ability to say yes or no here. He had the ability to say, I'm not going to reconcile with Onesimus. But Paul was appealing to the indwelling Holy Spirit in Philemon to recognize what's the right thing to do here. This is how we are to reconcile. This is why we recognize that it was important for people of different social structures and statuses back at that time to do what's right. Treat those people the right way. Do not lord over them. Do not mistreat them. Do not do things to them that are inappropriate. Inappropriate, excuse me. He wanted his heartfelt obedience to God's word. That is what we need to take away from here. This, this is the most important thing about slaves not lording over their masters, the whole thing that was mentioned in the previous passages we've read in Sunday school. It comes down to matters of the heart, treating people the right way. And we, we've always heard treating people the way they, that we want to be treated. Well, we want to be treated fairly, don't we? We want to be treated the right way. We want to be treated in such a way where we uh, can honor the Lord Jesus Christ in all the things that we do, no matter who we're dealing with. We're just, we just want to be treated the right way. And that's exactly what Paul is appealing for Philemon to do here. He wanted him to make sure that he was doing so in such a way, um, recognizing that Paul is a prisoner for the sake of Christ, uh, even though Paul was an elder, had the authority to make Philemon change his mind, he appealed to his sensibilities. He appealed to Christ uh, as far as the right thing to do. Philemon looking to Jesus Christ, recognizing Onesimus for who he is, forgiving him in spite of what he had done, and reconciling with him. So this is what? A fantastic example. Let's read, let's read real quick verse 10. Um, back in Philemon. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. And that is an appeal there that goes above and beyond what uh, you would expect in a situation like this. So here's a guy who is a former slave, and Paul is sending him back, saying, welcome this brother back in. Welcome him back in to your household, and now have an attitude where you're having an attitude of reconciliation. So what is being taught here? Paul's providing for all of us a good example of how to deal with conflict between Christians. These are all Christians. Um, Onesimus is a Christian. Philemon is a Christian. Paul is a Christian. And we're not talking about people who are unsaved here. So we have a lot to learn, don't we, when it comes to how we reconcile with brothers and sisters in, who supposedly have knowledge and faith in Jesus Christ. When reconciling a separation or mediating a dispute, trust has to be rebuilt between the conflicting parties. No question about it. Trust is a factor. One of the things that we've been talking about in my company when we were talking about reconciliation and the whole act of diversity and everything that goes with that, it has everything to do with trust factors. Trusting that managers and supervisors are going to do the right thing and not hold grudges or not mistreat people uh, who are their reports. Doing what's right, but trust is a huge issue here. And so what are we doing? We're talking about trust. Philemon was referred to by Paul as his brother, and Onesimus was his child. 
because he was a relatively new believer in Jesus Christ, but he was very useful in the faith. I believe Onesimus and Paul had a very special and close relationship in such a way where Paul saw something in Onesimus that he did not know about before from when he first met him, but he became more useful, as it's going to be referred to uh, when we look at this passage here, back in verse 11. He wasn't much of use to you in the past, but now he is very useful, useful to both of us. Why? Because he's proclaiming the gospel, because he's showing the love of Christ in his life. So that's what we want to recognize here. He's asking Philemon to do the right thing. Reconcile with this brother. Have conversations with him. And do so in such a way where he's doing it not because it's in a grudging manner, but doing it in Christian love. That's the key between all of these master-slave, master-slave relationships that we read about in Scripture. If you live for Jesus Christ, there's really no longer this master-slave relationship. Everyone is equal in Christ. Everyone has the same standing or footing. Remember, God plays no favorites. So no matter what status you're at, whether you're here or you're here, God plays no favorites. They're, it's, they're, you're all the same under Christ. And so this whole thing about master and slave relationships, this had to be dealt with at that time. As time went along, especially as people recognized and acknowledged Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, could slavery have been abolished earlier than in the 1800s? Well, sure it could have. But it comes down to now a greater teaching and a greater understanding through the power of the Spirit, making sure that everyone was truly ready to push those buttons to get that done in the right way so that we don't talk about slavery ever, ever coming back in this country again. So we recognize that there's a timing factor here. We don't, uh, we don't like everything that happened. We don't, certainly don't approve of, of things that happened that way. But as far as believers were concerned, we were the ones that had to get it done. But we had to recognize the master-slave relationship in Christ is no longer really that at all. Now, it doesn't mean Onesimus is not going to still do things in the household of Philemon. It doesn't mean that at all. Of course he is. But it's going to be done in such a way now where there's a cooperation, where Philemon is going to treat Onesimus in such a way where uh, he's showing the love of Christ as how he treats him. And Onesimus is going to do the exact same thing going back to Philemon, recognizing that he truly is serving the Lord too. That's where everyone is working together for the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ. What a fantastic, wonderful testimony. And believers have to get it right. If you expect people who don't know the Lord to get it right, you have to show them through your own relationships that this is what the right thing is to do. So I think that's what Paul was getting at here. Uh, Philemon is showing also people in his own church, this is how you treat people. This is the way you're supposed to treat people. This is what needs to be done. And be fair with those individuals. Don't treat them in such a way where they have to steal from you to uh, obtain something. Treat them in such a way where you're treating them fairly. Um, you're taking care of them. I mean, that's fine. Take care of the man. Take care of what his needs are. Uh, that's something that was uh, accepted back then. It was something that was done back then. But there's a right way to do it in Christ. There's a right way to treat people in those situations. And I think that's what I want to make sure I emphasize this, and I'm going to emphasize it again next time, about the importance of this relationship and making sure that we are indeed doing everything the right way as we look at these master-servant relationships. These are things that we must work through in Scripture and understand that the Spirit is operating in everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, and the Spirit is going to teach each person how to handle these situations. Now, I, want to, I don't want to whitewash this in any way. I want to make sure it's very clear a master back then had the legal right to kill a runaway slave. That was true back then, just as it was true even in, in this country when, when slavery was uh, instituted here. So Onesimus feared for his life. He was a runaway, and he did not want to lose his life. So with that in mind and recognizing the importance of reconciliation, Onesimus is going back to Philemon, believing that Philemon is going to treat him 
in a fair manner. Otherwise, that we wouldn't have a story here. We wouldn't have this actually taking place. So was he welcomed back in the house? According to everything we know, yes, he was. He was welcomed back, and he was treated fairly. Uh, he still had a servant relationship with uh, Philemon, but it was a fair servant relationship by all accounts because the love of Christ was now prevailing over that relationship. So we always want to recognize that this is not, uh, this is not a, a small thing at all. This is a big deal. And so when Paul led Onesimus to the Lord, he was asking Onesimus now also to live for Jesus Christ and recognize that you have a relationship that was broken and that it needs to be reconciled. You need to go back to Philemon because he is also your brother in Christ just as you are a brother in Christ. And so that was the important thing for him to do, too. There was really nowhere else to, for Onesimus to go. He had to go back to Philemon because if he went anywhere else, uh, if word had gotten around uh, about him being a runaway and stuff like that, that that would have been a problem for him had he not gone back. So, you know, you wonder why would he go back? Well, that's the reason why he went back. He went back because it was up to Philemon to determine what his fate was. And that's exactly why he did what he did. So... We recognize the importance to forgive uh, from this passage as Christ forgave us. I'm going to take a look at a couple of passages, and we'll move along very quickly. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 12. You recognize here that this is actually a reference to uh, when Jesus is speaking, and this is actually during the, um, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and he's mentioning this is the way to pray. But one of the things that's mentioned here, it says, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Forgive those who have uh, sinned against us uh, as God forgives us, honestly. That's what it comes down to. And so that's what we need to recognize here. And let's take a look at another one really quick. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32. Now, I welcome any comments and questions you have about uh, this passage and, and what's being taught here. I haven't heard a lot of people teach Philemon, and maybe it's because of this whole thing about getting around this master-servant relationship thing, uh, and that, that may be what it is, but it's a very easy lesson to teach. If you really think about what Christ is trying to teach us all under circumstances like this, Verse 31 in Ephesians 4, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. I mean, that, that says it all right there. This is exactly the essence of what's being taught here. True forgiveness True forgiveness means that we treat the people uh, that we've forgiven as we want to be treated. That's exactly what it is. So think about people in your life who you supposedly have forgiven, but they still need to see your kindness. Mm. That's, a, that's a tricky one, isn't it? You might have forgiven them, and you might have really have released them, but uh, are you still kind to those people? Or are you just kind of terse with them? Uh, you still need to be kind to him. Christ tells us to go the extra mile when it comes to our relationships with other people. We need to go the extra mile. Not just go to a certain place and then stop, but just keep moving forward with those things. Okay. By the way, the word Onesimus, and we'll talk about this later on, it actually means useful. <laughs> useful. Uh, we, we referred to him as not being useful uh, back in verse 11, but his name actually means useful. So that's an interesting part uh, where there was a play on words there because, you know, they knew what words, names meant back at that time. So now he's actually doing using a play on words here in this passage saying Onesimus means useful. So useful is a, is a good characteristic to have, but we want to make sure that when he goes, when Onesimus went back, Paul was making sure that Philemon was going to treat Onesimus in such a way where he respected him, he honored him because he was a brother, a fellow brother in Christ. 
And that's where we were going to we're going to pick up with next week and talk about that a little bit more and get into greater detail with that. I hope you got something out of this part because it really was enlightening to me uh, as far as what was being done here. The whole story of these two is a picture of law and grace. Um, there's still obedience that's necessary. There's still, but there's grace now that comes into play because we recognize that we can't be saved by our Lord Jesus Christ without his grace. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to sit back and just hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your very presence this morning. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for helping us to honor you uh, by making sure that we are honoring others in the same way. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for what you do to help us in these areas. Lord, help us to continue to go the extra mile where we don't just forgive someone, but we also treat them in the right manner as well too. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for teaching us in such a way where sometimes the lessons are learned over time as we trust that a lot of this happened during your time when this was being written, even up until the times when slavery was abolished in this country. We thank you for the example that you give us here in this passage on how to deal with relationships like this. We just give you praise and thanks for all that you do and all that you will continue to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we're going to sign off and get ready to get down to Akron. Uh, please stay uh, tuned online for today's message, The Believer's Code of Conduct, which is available for those of you who are not coming to church. If you come to church, you're going to hear me get the same message, but give it uh, live and with uh, hopefully a bit more information. But uh, we just praise the Lord for all that he is doing in our lives. We don't ever want to get ahead of him. We want to be right on the same page with him. God bless you all. You take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time as we continue in Philemon. Thanks again.